Welcome to the Evolving Advisor Podcast, dedicated to equipping independent financial advisors with the tips, insights, and knowledge to help you achieve success in business and life. Host Jeff Concepcion shares 30 years of experience as an advisor, entrepreneur, and CEO. Join Jeff and the industry's top thought leaders as they help you evolve from where you are today to where you want to be tomorrow. Now here's your host, Jeff Concepcion. Jeff Concepcion is solely an investment advisor representative of Stratus World Partners and not affiliated with LPL Financial. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Bobby Miola is not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial. Hi, this is Jeff Concepcion, and welcome to the Evolving Advisor Podcast. I'm very excited today to have a very dear friend and business partner, Bobby Miola, joining us. Bobby is a managing partner for Stratos Wealth Partners in Arizona and works predominantly out of the Scottsdale offices with several other offices across Arizona under her purview. Bobby has been with the firm and has been a major, major contributor in many regards helping us to develop talent around the country and also develop our marketplace in Arizona, where she's responsible for hiring, developing, and coaching the firm's continuing growing presence there. Bobby's had over 30 years of experience in wealth management, driving profitability, growth, and outstanding customer service and relationships, not only in her tenure at Stratus, but prior as a senior vice president and complex manager at Wells Fargo in San Diego. She's also held similar positions at Smith Barney for nearly 15 years, where she spent a good portion of her early career. I think when I think about Bobby and think about kind of her calling card, what's unique, what's special, is the interpersonal relationships, the way she connects with advisors and teams inside and outside of our network, and the way she helps those teams to thrive and grow a successful business. Bobby has three children and one grandchild, has a wonderful fiance who I've met many times, whose company I thoroughly enjoy, Kevin. And she lives in Scottsdale, Arizona. So with that introduction, Bobby, thanks for visiting today. Hey, thank you so much. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be great to hear your insights. And I, and I mentioned in that introduction, but I think a calling card or a uniqueness is a deep interpersonal relationships that you develop with your team members and the loyalty. So I think there are folks in our industry that spend a lot of time on business development, but I think you put as much, if not more energy to partners once they've come on board as to during the sort of a courting or recruiting process. Talk a little bit about your philosophy on relationship management and maybe some of the things that you do as a leader to stay so interconnected and so you know tightly a part of these practices that are part of Stratos Arizona. Yeah. So I, I honestly think that people know whether you care or not. And care is such a simple word, but I do believe that The individuals that I work with and even the individuals outside of work, I think that if you spend time talking with them and listening to them, their stories, you know, people don't care until they know how much you care about them. And and so I believe that when we when we meet people in our industry, if there is no agenda, you know, they can sort of feel whether or not there's something in it for us. And Jeff, you're very much like that also in how you talk with people. You genuinely care about their lives and and their values and the course of where they are going. And 
So if, if you spend the time to listen, whether it's, you know, the, the Uber driver or whether it's an advisor that you meet at a conference, it, it can be the person in the grocery store. I think it's how you live your life and the energy that you exude when you're speaking with people and when you're listening to people. I think that's what helps you connect to those individuals. That's a great point. And that's where that sort of goes beyond business. It more goes to life philosophy and karma, right? So if you treat people in and outside of business well, and you develop relationships, then they identify either a sincerity or a caring that sort of extends beyond business. I think it actually helps propel business success. I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Exactly. It's, it's just kind of, it's just kind of the way you live your life, right? I think that unfortunately there are a lot of people in the world that only spend time and focus and energy with someone if they're going to get something from it. And, and it's unfortunate. And I, and I think in business, Jeff, I think I felt that with some of the leadership that I have worked with in the past, it was like, you know, what is she going to do for me to help me grow this business, no matter what it takes? Whereas for me, it was really about finding the right people because you can bring individuals into, you know, clients into your practice that are just a cancer. And you can do the same thing when you're managing offices. And for me, I wanted to make sure I have great quality people who are aligned in, in terms of how they live their lives and how they treat people because everybody's got to get along. And that doesn't mean people can't be different and unique. We love unique and different and everybody does business the way they want to do business, but they care about others and have respect for others. And I think that's what we've developed here in the Arizona market. And I think that's what you've seen when we've attended the national meetings and, you know, Fun is, is really important in this business because sometimes it's not fun. Yeah, and, it, and it's interesting what you're pointing out, right? I mean, a lot of times some of the most powerful messages are really the simplest and those that are right in front of us. And it's caring for people, being an ambassador, helping people solve problems, find success and so on. And the more you do that, I think people end up drawn to you. And I think you're a lot like me in the sense that from a business development standpoint, it's all about developing relationships. If something materializes that's beneficial to Stratus, that's great. And if it doesn't, I just look at it as sort of spreading goodwill and planting seeds. And I think, you know, yeah. just treating people well with that sincerity goes a long, long ways. It's also probably true for advisors. When you look at your most successful practices, these are people who love their clients and their clients consequently love them. It's not rocket science. Yep. Absolutely. So, so I'm interested to talk a little bit because I know you're a great advocate for women in wealth management and having a daughter who is in the industry, or at least in a related industry, a firm that actually from a technology and trading standpoint supports advisors. I just think that we're in a fantastic industry, but I also recognize that for people who come from different backgrounds, including women, there are probably hurdles or complexities or challenges that could be greater. So talk a little bit about your path to the success that you've had as a professional and maybe, you know, what you believe. I mean, I think there are lots of great successful women advisors, but not enough. We need more of them. We need more women in leadership in our firm and in the industry and more advisors. Uh, we happen to be blessed. I think some of our top advisors in our firm 
our women, our leadership team, which includes you and our CFO and our chief compliance and legal. And so we had a lot of talented women, but there's, there are some great opportunities. Talk a little bit about your career path and what you believe the path could be for others who would want to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm super proud of our firm, Jeff, because a lot of our senior leadership are female and, and obviously having, having men, strong men at the helm, you yourself is very, very important. But I think that the men in leadership and even men in practices that recognize having a female on their team can add value and add a different perspective and maybe challenge them in different ways is a good thing. So for me, you know, starting in this business, I was young, I was 22. I, I was, I, I didn't know enough about the business, but I knew that it was exciting. And so I wanted to be part of that. And the only way that I could get hired was at the time, this was back in the early eighties was as a receptionist. And so I started as a receptionist and my father said to me, you know, if you're going to be a receptionist, you know, be the best receptionist you can possibly be. And every position you hold there, you just be the best you can be. People will notice you. They will recognize it and they will champion you, but you're going to have to work your tail off to prove yourself. So that's what I did. I was a receptionist. I was a sales assistant. And then I, I got my licenses in 1989 and I had a little baby, two-year-old baby at home and studied on my own. You know, I remember it was interesting because of a lot of the trainees that would come through the door, they would sit at a desk for a couple of months and they would study for their series seven. And I had to study at night (laughs) at the Hardee's after I got my daughter to sleep and working my full-time job while doing all of it. And, you know, at the time I didn't really think any, anything of it, but I do believe that all of those challenges helped me to appreciate what I had that much more. So I passed my series seven. I started to build my business running seminars with a couple other advisors in the office. And and I actually became a very successful trainee, if you will. So then I started working with the trainees and then got promoted to assistant manager and then became a branch manager. And I think what's very unique is for me, as far as my career path, which I think has helped me to be more empathetic to everyone within the branch is that I've literally sat in every seat. I know what it's like to sit at the receptionist desk and have people come in, greet them, you know, to make sure that they have the best experience. I know what it's like to be an assistant to an advisor with a growing practice that's very demanding and making sure you don't make mistakes. There's so much pressure. And then to be the advisor and responsible for for taking care of clients in challenging markets and some nights not being able to sleep. So you know, it's, it's, I think that's what helps me to be a better leader is that I am empathetic to those that I surround myself with. Yeah, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, when I think about what our industry looks like, it's a lot of older white males, you know, it's, it's just, it's predominantly that kind of a business. So when we have partners like we do in upstate New York and Virginia who are collaborating to try and bring in more minorities, folks of color, Hispanics, 
when we have folks like you who are great representatives for us in the industry, even at our national conferences, organize, organizing a women's session and think tank. When I think about, again, my daughter in the industry, the young lady who's you know been on my team for two years now as an assistant, she wants to become a financial advisor. I said, stay with us. We'll actually work on developing the right kind of a training program because we have one now, but it's too loose. And I would love to see her, who she's just a great, great kid. She's a full-time student. She works full-time for us. Just a really, you know, diligent and thoughtful young lady. I'd love to see a career path where more women come into the industry. And I, and I agree with you entirely. You, when you go to a restaurant, a lot of times people who tip well and are just really gracious and kind to servers used to do what? Right. They used to be servers. They used right? to be servers or bartenders. Exactly. exactly. Yep. Exactly. You're kinder to people because you know that what they do isn't easy. When you've been in different roles in wealth management, as you talked about starting off at the reception desk, which is amazing, and then a trainee, and then seeing what you've accomplished, there's sort of an empathy and an understanding that I think allows you to be better. You think When you think about family business owners, they make their kids start out in the mailroom and working in the shop. And when you learn the business, just the way you said it, Bobby, from the ground up, I think it's just very empowering in terms of the knowledge that you have to pass on. So well, and I, I like guess what, what said, I, Sorry, Jeff, I didn't mean to interrupt. I like what you said about you know, some of the practices at Stratos that they're wanting to bring more minorities in. I'm actually on the diversity inclusion council. And one of the, one of the goals is to obviously help our workforce look more like our communities, you know, even sometimes with some of the brochures that you see at different firms, you know, it's important to see mixed race couples. It's important to see, you know, all different kinds of diversity so that when someone looks at that, they feel like they fit you know, that's a place where they fit. And, and so it's exciting. Some of the things that some of our advisor teams are doing to become better financial planners and better, you know, stewards of wealth management by adding diversity and, and even diversity, not necessarily with color or sexual orientation, but with age, you know, you think about it, if you, I've got some young gentlemen here in my office and they're doing a great job working on, on a very successful team And we had a meeting the other day and we were talking about some of the challenges as being younger individuals in this business and how, you know, how am I going to get somebody to give me their money and respect me when I'm 25 years old? And one of the things I said to them is, you know, there may be a dentist that's 65 years old and has had this sophisticated practice, but then there's this new dentist who's 30 years old and he's got all the new technology and, you know, you go to his office and you can, he can get things done in two hours versus six hours if you've got all different kinds of dental work you need to do. So I told them, I said, you guys have an advantage. We need you in our business. Fresh names, fresh faces, fresh ideas. That's what makes us all better. So sorry, I know that was kind of a yeah, long think, analogy, but you know, no, I think, as you're coaching I think and you're training, spot on. I think you're spot on. And I've said this recently, you know, people for decades have talked about a war for talent and I thought it was baloney. There's always been plenty of talent readily available in the last couple of years. I think it's, it's not true. I think that there really is a war for talent and firms that are growing. One of the greatest challenges they have not only in our industry, but in others is finding really good people. So what I think we have to do is be open to the fact that really talented people come in every size, shape, color, orientation that exists and it just makes me think of this funny little movie that was adorable. I don't know if you know, saw the movie, The Intern. I think it was Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway. Yes, but I she's love like that a movie. rising. Yeah, she's a rising CEO, this young woman, you know, just cutting her teeth. And here he's this older guy. And 
you know, just sort of the mentorship. When you talked about young people in the firm and we've got some really experienced, we'll say mature people in our firm. Uh, and you just think about all the sizes, shapes and colors where talent resides and just being open to that. It just gives you a chance to be so much of a better organization versus having some mindsets that would be less inclusive. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, so let's kind of switch more broadly to success. And as, as you kind of look back at your footprint from your prior wirehouse days at, at two great firms, and then really your, you know, your last decade or so in the independent world, talk a little bit about what you see as common threads from your most successful teams. What are they doing differently? And what can folks listening to the podcast today think about when they think about how do I take myself from being a good advisor, running a good a good business to becoming a great advisor and running a great business and whether or not that's talent acquisition or skill sets or services or technical competency. What are the pieces and parts that you see, Bobby, when you look at the last several decades of the very best and most successful teams? Yeah, that's a great question, Jeff. I will say it breaks down to two things, process and communication. And by process, what I mean by that is they, and I know we always hear this, these bud words, systems in place and, you know, a process for onboarding a client, but it is so imperative to have that process in place. Systems for communicating for tasks to each one of your team members or to your support, your support staff. Because the reality is, and, and I laugh because so many advisors talk about how they want to buy practices, which is wonderful. But first, you have to get your arm around your own practice. And then once you do, it's very easy then to integrate additional clients into that system that you have in place. And then communication is very important. These individuals, if they're not on a team, still they have very, very talented staff members that work with them. And they will actually spend a little more money to work with those people that challenge them, that they get together and meet on a regular basis. Again, like I said, they pay them well and make sure that they're valued, their voice is heard. And then my larger teams that work together, they get together on a regular basis and they talk about what's working, what's not working. If one of the individuals is having a problem with a client or with a situation, then they help to solve it, or maybe they end up getting rid of that client because it's causing tension within the team. So they really insulate themselves as a team and make sure to, to take care of each one so that when they're out in the world with clients, gathering new assets, that they are the, they represent their best selves out there. Yeah, that all makes great sense. All makes great sense. So I guess, you know, one of the things I'd like to ask you about is as you take a look at independence and maybe opportunities, benefits, challenges, what do you see as kind of the pathway and what are some of the key decision points for folks who are less entrepreneurial today that might be sitting in some type of an employee model, a W-2 model, a wirehouse model, a bank model? I think very few of those people don't already know that if they cross that bridge to independence, there are great benefits, but there are also some challenges along the way. And it's pretty scary taking your life's work over a couple of decades and trying to port that over to an independent firm. So what should those folks be thinking about? And what are some of your learnings having spent a fair amount of time in sort of both of those environments? I have learned so much, Jeff. <laughs> you know, I, I came from the wirehouse, as you know, and I truly believe that that was the best model 
when I was recruiting into the wirehouse model, I, I had great passion for it. You know, the way we were raised, for lack of a better word, in the wirehouses, we were we were taught to believe that people that were independent were usually the lower producers, the individuals that didn't want to answer to the man. You know, they wanted to put more of their compensation in their packet or in their pocket and didn't recognize the value that the large firms bring and that, you know, so we had this vision of independent advisors that they were these kind of slackers, if you will. So it wasn't something that was really appealing to us at the time, but within the last decade, the evolution has really moved towards independence and so many successful practices and teams have moved over into private practice. And the way I explain it to people is, and, and business owners understand this and regular John Q public understands this, that it's just like a CPA that's going from a large firm and they're branching out on their own. They still have the same resources, the same education, but they don't have the overhead and you know the, all of the bureaucracy in between that makes it difficult for them to do the best thing by their client much of the time. So coming over to independence I was very, very excited to educate some of the individuals that I worked with in the wirehouse and the people that I thought were great partners and would be uniquely qualified to run businesses. And those are the the people that I have gone after to, to bring on board. It is a shift from, you know, just walking in and punching in and, you know, just, just taking care of your clients. You still get to take care of your clients in this atmosphere, but there's a different feeling of ownership that is, you know, it's it's your own money. So the money that you spend on building your business and, and you have so much of a broader atmosphere to build your business with client events, um, some of the things that we were not allowed to do at the wirehouse, you know, you're not an employee, you're a 1099, you're a business owner. You have freedom and flexibility. I can't tell you how incredible this world is, Jeff, (laughs) compared to my old world. And I want to save as many people as I can from the wirehouses that want to be saved and help them to come over into this independent world. And Stratos provides this this great support for them where we, we really do help you to run the business side as much as you want us to help you so that you can really focus on your practice. And so the worlds are just so different. Yeah, it's interesting, even just some of the points that you reference, right, in terms of independence and autonomy. I think our mindset is, you know, we work for the advisors, they're our bosses, right? I mean, our goal is to help propel their success and their autonomy and kind of their vision for their business as opposed to our vision for their business. Then you talk about capital. So this side of the industry is built so that Rather than having an expense account and going and getting something approved by the branch, like might happen in a bank or wire model, we want to embed and give them as much of the capital as we can, and they spend it how they want. Whether some people, it might be on marketing, other people might be on infrastructure, real estate, staff, you know, so they're really running a business with full control of the P&L of all the dollars, but for the part that we feel like we need to carve off to provide centralized solutions. So a couple of really good observations on your part there about autonomy, who works for who, and really having control of your purse, of your wallet, the pocketbook to decide where do I want to invest? This is my business. Some of, for some, it's M&A. I mean, they, they, you know, 
and just even being able to facilitate them having success on the M&A front. So really good no, points. No, I agree 100%. So, so any final takeaways, Bobby, when you think about the industry, when you think about what you've seen, when you think about where the industry is headed, as I sit and run my own private practice or participate on a team, whatever our environment that I'm in, because some things are universal. So if you think about wirehouse advisors, bank advisors, independent or RIA advisors, what would be a piece of advice that you think will help propel the greatest success for them moving forward as you look at where the puck is headed? Well, and, and one of the reasons why I joined Stratos nine years ago was because I saw that was where the puck was headed. And I always try to, to see that and, and decide where I want to be within that, within that industry. So I believe that the future of our business in the wirehouses is going to change significantly as the advisor is getting older and the average age being in the, you know, 63, 64 now that I think as advisors, as senior advisors retire, the wirehouses with the packages that they have put together to buy them out, those accounts are going to be going to younger advisors where eventually I believe they will go on a salary plus bonus basis. That's where I think the wirehouses and of course the bank models are headed. So I think you lose a lot of that entrepreneurial spirit that we have enjoyed the last 30 years of being in this business which leaves really only the independence where you still have the autonomy and where, you know, you still have to go out and hunt and gather. And that is how you make your money. You know, the, the wonderful word capitalism, which we absolutely love, you know, there is no glass ceiling. You can do as well as you want. You can make as much money as you want. And I believe that in, in the wirehouses and in the bank models, I believe that there is going to be a ceiling for those individuals on how much they are going to be able to make from a compensation standpoint, because the majority of that capital is going to be needed by those organizations to continue to stay competitive when people start to flee more and more faster and faster. Yeah. So if people want to control not only their own experience and their business, but also their client experience, that autonomy should serve them well in the future. Yes. Absolutely. Makes great sense. Well, we're coming to the point where we're going to ask what you plan to share today from a podcast karaoke standpoint. Can you enlighten oh, us there? Oh, gosh, Jeff, it's been so stressful. I even talked to my trainer about it this morning. So this is the song that came to mind, and there's a little bit of a backstory to it. I was a branch manager at Wachovia Securities, and we had a leadership meeting in Dallas, Texas. And 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 the the gentleman that was our boss at the time, really nice guy, good in terms of warm interpersonal relationships, but he was a little bit goofy. And so we were sitting in this meeting and he went around the room and he asked all of us what our theme song was. <laughs> and we all just kind of went, oh, no. Well, this song came to mind. So it's Ain't No Stopping Us Now from McFadden and Whitehead. And some of the lyrics just really speak to me because there's things that hold us down and it mentions in the song, but now it looks like things are finally coming around. And those words have inspired me. Just don't let anybody stop you. Just keep moving forward. Leave the negative people behind. And so I said that song and I started to sing it. And I know they 
I of course was the only female manager in the room, but we just got such a kick out of it. So I'm going to do my best to sing it. Well, thank you for the background. And because it's obviously it's the message is meaningful, even just the history of where you connected with that song is meaningful. So thanks for sharing all your insights today and your musicality. Yes. Don't you let know. 
advisors associated with Stratus Wealth Partners may be either one, registered representatives with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC, and investment advisor representatives of Stratus Wealth Partners, or two, solely investment advisor representatives of Stratus Wealth Partners and not affiliated with LPL Financial. Investment advice offered through Stratus Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. Thanks for listening to The Evolving Advisor. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and share it with your colleagues. And if you would like to talk about succession planning or practice acquisitions, please drop us a line. We would love to help you in any way we can.